So if you want me to speak for the next 30 minutes on my failures, I can do so. So welcome to Outliers. Uh, <laughs> this is a podcast with Outliers, like yes. we keep saying. Yes. And I'm really excited to sit down with uh, Harsh Mariwala, who many of you uh, would have uh, definitely heard about. And uh, the iconic retail brands that uh, have touched all of us uh, at some point in our lives, Merico and <laughs> uh, different brands. Mm. Uh, Harsh, uh, welcome to the podcast. My pleasure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I usually, uh, when I start such conversations, ask people yes. about where do they come from and things yes. like that. But yes. with you, I, I think I will flip it. <laughs> A lot is yeah. known about what you have built and how. Uh-huh. I would like to start asking you about some of the biggest failures you have encountered in your uh, entrepreneurship journey. Okay. And if you could pick one, two, or three of them, I, uh-huh. I, I leave uh-huh. that to you. Okay. And take us through yeah. them and, yeah. and the lesson they, okay. they offer you. So if you want me to speak for the next 30 minutes on my failures, I can do so. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. I suppose you want to ask me other questions also. So I'll try and limit it to those one or two or three key failures. I would select three failures based on the learning of the failures. You know. uh, first of all, before I get into example, let me say that failures is a part and parcel of an entrepreneur's journey. Uh, and there's a saying, sometimes you win and sometimes you lose. But the same thing you can put it differently. Sometimes you win and sometimes you learn instead of losing. So any failure, any loss is a great learning opportunity. And I think that's happened to me many times because I have, I'm not a management graduate and nor uh, has anybody mentored me in my whole journey or guided me. So I've been a self-learner. And many times you take some steps without realizing because you've not had any experience, so nobody has guided you. So I think my learnings have come out of exploring in some uncharted territory and realizing that I made a mistake. So my first uh, learning was in very initial part of my own journey when I was like less than 30 years old. And um, at that time we wanted to get into some new products. Uh, identified an opportunity, but uh, we took some shortcuts mm-hmm. because uh, we viewed that uh, some of the we didn't want to add to our overheads, so we took some shortcuts in terms of product formulation. Uh, we tried to do it uh, in-house without uh, knowing uh, what it meant, and that backfired. We also didn't invest heavily into quality systems. And the new product, one other new product had some quality assurance problems. So I think one key learning in the initial part of my career was that uh, as you expand, you need specialist inputs in the area of quality, safety, legal, and you can't take shortcuts, you know. Quality, safety, legal, product development, and then you don't have that, you have to ensure that these things happen. And that led me to establishing of quality function take safety far more seriously, establishing a legal function, as well as a product development function. So that happened very initial part of my journey, and I think that really helped me in terms of uh, focusing on uh, my core, but with a lot of support coming in from sides, you know. The second failure, I would say, was uh, when we entered a category, mm-hmm. uh, which was very, very competitive, and which had very strong brand names. So I 
we entered into a baby category uh, and started competing with Johnson and Johnson. And Johnson and Johnson is a is a very strong category where mothers have very strong affinity to the brand and a very loyal brand. And we thought that with we'll be able to get some share out of it. So I think we entered a category which uh, we underestimated in terms of the brand leader and what kind of uh, what kind of franchise they had with the mothers. And normally in a baby category, the mother uses the product for a few years and then once she is babies above a certain age, then they don't need to look at the baby products. So the need to be continuously in in touch with mothers, a new set of mothers every few years was very important. And you needed a certain critical mass to succeed. So we did okay, but it was not good enough for us. So I think that led me to think through in terms of what categories we should invest in. And now we are very clear that any category we invest in, we should have a very strong right to win. That means we should be able to, before entering the category, we should have something either unique in terms of the product formulation, or we should be pioneering a certain product, or we should have a strong brand which will enable us to win. I think one more example, um, we entered a prototype in Maricopi, a prototype with snacks, and we thought that baked snacks had a very good future because health awareness was increasing, mm -hmm. you know. So we, uh, we were very clear that because people are healthy, they will stop shifting from fried to baked snacks. And then we, we developed a product under the brand name Safola, uh, which were baked snacks. Mm -hmm. But we went a little bit inside out. We said Safola brand, the health benefits have to come more than the taste benefits. And in food, taste is the most important yeah. thing, and then followed by health, you know. So the product didn't do well, but our learning from that was that when we developed next round of products for food, we should put taste first, and health also is equally important. So when we launched our savory oats, mm -hmm. we developed a product which was tasty and also healthy, mm -hmm. and not health at the cost of taste, and that was really done well. So I think each, learn, each failure has its own set of learning. Mm -hmm. And all I can say is that every entrepreneur goes through uh, these failures. We should not be afraid of failure. We should go on experimenting, prototyping, and um, it's okay to fail. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, what I really liked about these examples is uh, the learnings yeah. are very clear. I have many mind. more examples, <laughs> but I think you may not have time to uh, spend on this. <laughs> you, should, okay. you should write a book on failures. Yes, right? I am writing a book, but failure is a part of that uh, book. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you talked about uh, the entrepreneurial journey mm -hmm. and failures, of course, mm -hmm. will be part of it. But the other thing that's part of it is loneliness. Yes. Uh, and uh, most of the times you don't know what to do with it, yes. what to share. And you said in your example, you didn't have any mentor or anything. Yeah. So, uh, and now you're doing something interesting with, in terms of peer uh, yes. network. Yes. So, yeah. so what is that loneliness? Did you yourself, how did you cope with it and what are you doing now? So it is... Uh, they say it's lonely to be at the top because you can't discuss many of the issues with people down the line. I have taken the courage to discuss this with my team, all the issues. And to that extent, a lot depends on the quality of team you have and the capability of the team. I also developed a set of uh, friends, you may call it, who were uh, willing to listen to me. Many times you just want some advice, but many times you just want others to listen to you. Uh, it's just your failures, your frustration, you don't want any advice. 
So I think a combination of uh, those who work below you and a combination of some friends, some other associates uh, who can help you in this uh, has helped me. But I think it's very important that any entrepreneur uh, develop this network because just to get bottled up, uh, it could be with family, it could be anybody who understands you. Uh, you can't talk to somebody who doesn't understand you. So it's very important to have that person understand what are the issues you're facing. And many times that person may not give you all the advice, but the fact that that person is willing to listen to you, it's just very therapeutic. Mm. Uh, Hush, you had a long career as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Uh, and the other issue that entrepreneurs struggle with, and yeah. everyone, all of us do, yeah. is, is managing uh, criticism yes. or handling critique. Yes. So uh, how would you pull out some yeah. of the things that you've done yeah. in your career? So I think you rightly put the word critique and not criticism. And critique means that if I tell you that you're, you're very bad at this thing, it's a criticism. But if I tell you the same thing in a different way, that if I was you instead of doing this way, I would have done this way. And the whole mindset changes. Your ability to take, hear me out is far better because I'm putting myself into your shoes and I'm using the eye language, which is very important. So I have to put myself into your shoes, use the eye language that if I was you, I would have done it like this or I would have behaved like this. And I think that to me is a critique. So if you put it the right manner, I think the readiness to absorb that information or that that critique is far higher. So I think it's very important how you give a critique and how the critique is received. Now if I give you that critique in the right manner and if you receive it in a negative manner, no, no, I don't want to deal with it, then again I'll distain from giving critique in the future. So I think it, it's a two-way street, but I think critique is important because every one of us have, have blind spots or we don't know something and many times we don't realize what we are doing and if the same thing is looked at by somebody else through some other eye it could be an individual it could be a group of individuals who are critiquing you and i think everybody has to realize that there are blind spots everybody has and it is a great value addition and every individual needs to be critiqued you know because if you're not willing to be critiqued then you can have some very expensive failures or you may have overlooked something in, in driving a business and that will give you a more 360-degree view of content. So I'm a very strong believer in critique and bouncing of ideas with others. It could be your subordinates, it could be friends, and we also are providing now to entrepreneurs that opportunity to critique through, through the Ascent platform. So I think it's very important that you realize, and every person realize that it's important to critique uh, issues. It could be personal issues, it could be business issues, anything, but uh, I think the key thing is every person has a blind spot and you need to bounce off your issues with others so that the blind spots are adequately covered. Sometimes when you are at the receiving end, especially yes. in the age of social and digital yes. world, and when you yes. have close to a million followers yeah. on Twitter itself, huh. uh, that, 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 that becomes very tough and then things start getting personal. So people like you who are visible... Yeah, but I think there's a larger benefiting in getting critique and you know, and sometimes some critics may not be in the right spirit or they may be very direct and they may be confrontational. But, I mean, what is the option? Either you shut off all the critic, which is not good. So the critic has far outweighed some other negative, shall I say, criticism, uh, which comes from some other uh, media. But that's okay, you know, if you take it and just, if you think that it's not relevant, then just hear it from year one year and get it out of the other, rather than saying that I want to stop doing this. You know, I think it's very important and every person will 
have some negative experiences and may land itself into the criticism kind of a phase. But I think the benefit of critique is far outweighs the negatives of criticism. I'll shift here for yeah. the last two, three yeah. questions, Harsh. Uh, you, you, you built a, a retail mm -hmm. uh, business over mm -hmm. decades mm -hmm. and successful brands. Yeah. Now, retailing in the age of uh, platforms like Amazon and, and you name them, yeah. causing yeah. lots of disruption, mm -hmm. and then at the core also the whole digital yes. thing is making sure. How do you cope with these things? How do you make yourself relevant in this new yeah. age? So I think we it's reality that digital is going to disrupt each and every business. You have to understand where will the disruptions occur and that will depend on the type of business you're running. In our case, in FMCG case, it's very clear that digital disruption will occur through digital brands, digital distribution and we have to proactively manage this rather than reactively react to it. So can you make that as a source of opportunity? Can you say that these disruptions are providing an opportunity? rather than being perceived as threats. So proactively, can you invest in managing the e-commerce channels? Uh, can you launch your own digital brand? Can you acquire? In our case, we acquired a digital brand. So basically, can we, can we look at it from an opportunity mindset? And then you need dedicated resources, you know, because there are individuals, especially youngsters, who are far more savvy managing digital businesses um, rather than old age people because they are, I mean, for them it's, it's part and parcel of their lives. So it's very important that you proactively manage uh, by investing in individuals who are digital savvy and remove all the escape buttons and look at it from an opportunistic point of view. How do you learn new things? Me personally? Yeah. I think our learning occurs through various mechanisms, whether it's failures or successes also, they have learning. I read a lot. So it can occur. I critique a lot the interaction with other individuals. I, I now in the digital side, you can see a lot. You can hear other other uh, people on social media, whether it's Twitter or whether it is uh, WhatsApp or whether it is whatever YouTube. So I think a combination of all these things. But the larger issue is you have to have a learning mindset. And I think every, pers every person has to have a learning mindset. And that learning mindset reflects through desire to learn. If I meet you, what is the new thing you have in life? You know, then that's a learning mindset. Can I learn from you? I'm telling you that I want to learn what is new in your life, you know, what is new in your business. I'm not, I'm not to say that I want to get into gossip part, but it is more to do. The whole objective is for asking me such question is to actually know what is happening in the environment at your end. If you are in a different business, can I learn something from you? So I think learning has to be at the back of. Whatever you're doing, yeah. and whenever there's an opportunity to learn, you need to explore that opportunity. Second last question: yeah, sure. <laughs> What does wealth mean to you? I think wealth to me is, um, I think beyond a point. Initially, when you are small as a businessman, uh, I think it means better lifestyle. But once you reach a certain stage, it's not really. It's then you are a trustee of a wealth. And you, the wealth is, I mean, you're not going to take your wealth when you leave this world. But I think the key thing is to, how can I add value to others? And can my wealth be turned into trusteeship mode? There is a separate element to ownership. You know, if I have to manage a company, I need to have a certain stakeholding in the company. Otherwise, I have a vulnerable takeover. But that's not to say that if I have a certain wealth, I need to spend money. You know, I, 
I still feel that in the last whatever 10, 15 years, Muslim world decided many four times, but my lifestyle has remained more or less the same. I'm not the kind of person who's lured into, say, buying aeroplanes or things like that, you know. So I'm always very conscious about the value for money because uh, I think it's very important that uh, you don't get swayed by wealth in terms of an ego and nor splurge your wealth in terms of lifestyle, you know. So even if many times you find that the cost of a business class Jet Airways flight is very, very high compared to Indigo. I would not mind taking Indigo flight. I mean, I've traveled multiple times, hundreds of times in Indigo, you know. I think it's a great point you make yeah, about yeah. being like a trustee of your wealth mm -hmm. at some point mm -hmm. in time. Last question, Harsh. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, everyone talks about the legacy they want to yeah, leave yeah, behind. Yeah, what, yeah. what is your legacy? What would you like to be remembered? Yeah. So I think it's very important every person at some stage has to identify what uh, uh, what that person wants to give back, you can call it a purpose in life. Uh, because ultimately, it's the purpose which drives an individual. You initially, as they said, the first 25 years is for education and learning, and the next 25 uh, years is for earning. And the next 25 is for giving, what you want to give back. You know? So I think it's very important that uh, you identify what you want to give back. And to me, it uh, emanates from what I like and what am I strong in. And I don't want to, I'm not a kind of person who want to give some donation to somebody. I want to be clear that I want to give to either some cause or uh, it's just not financial giving, it is beyond financial. It is actually spending time, energy in helping others. Uh, so I have two or three, two initiatives I started in the last few years. One is uh, uh, in the area of uh, mental health wherein I help uh, organizations uh, fund them and also help them in terms of scaling up, in terms of taking it forward. So I'm, we are working with four or five mental health organizations, including one in with working with this in running a helpline. It's I call. So anybody wanting to have some issue in terms of mental health or depression or suicidal things, you can make a phone call to the helpline or send a mail and it will be treated completely confidentially. It's free advice. So we have a 14-member team working full-time, uh, morning, whatever, 10 to 10, uh, helping others. And every month we get about 1,500 calls, talk emails, and we help them. And I think that's, we are working with some other rural areas in terms of mental health in slums and in some other rural areas in Gujarat. So I think that's one. Sure. I spend a lot of time in the second one, which is Ascent which is helping entrepreneurs scale up, you know, and basically nurturing entrepreneurs because I strongly believe that entrepreneurs add a lot of value to the society. And my own initial experiences as an entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur taught me a lot of things. And when I see many entrepreneurs, they are not able to, they falter when they have to grow from small to medium to large. And the biggest issue they face is what are the changes the entrepreneurs themselves bring about yeah. in shifting from small to medium to large, you know, in terms of the role of the entrepreneur, delegation, trust, attracting right quality of talent, partners, stakeholders. So I've started Ascent about four or five years back, and currently it's based in Bombay, Bombay-based and nearby areas like Gujarat and Nasik, sorry, Nasik and Pune, as a part of Ascent. And so we have created mechanisms where they learn from each other. It's a peer learning platform, but I also spend a lot of time in, in meeting such entrepreneurs. We also have events where we tell them 
how to raise funds, what are the options of raising funds from different uh, different uh, routes. Um, uh, so these entrepreneurs are selected. There is a selection process, and currently we have about close to 350 entrepreneurs associated with SM, aggregating to a turnover almost 16, 70 thousand crores. So these are, and out of that, about 10, around 10 percent are women entrepreneurs and 90 percent men. So we select them and put them in what we call trust groups. They learn from each other. And in addition to that, we have a lot of educational events, a lot of huddles, uh, mixers, conclaves. So as well as giving some advice in terms of mentoring. And I think the whole objective is that if we are able to help entrepreneurs scale up, they will be able to add value to all the stakeholders, including themselves, including their employees, uh, money, society, to the government, so they are wealth creators, and I think India needs more wealth creators and employment providers. And can I, if I can help a lot of entrepreneurs scale up, then I would be doing that kind of thing. And if anyone is interested in joining, there is no cost attached to this. So this is funded by me, but I think the key thing is we need entrepreneurs who are a certain size. I think if you are in manufacturing, you need a five crore turnover. If you are in service, you need a minimum one crore turnover. You need to apply to SN, SN Foundation, dot in and uh, all the information is there on that and then you will be called for an interview you have to fill in a form and uh, you like to see more and more entrepreneurs using this facility because it's something which I am proud of in terms of it's got very good feedback from our from our members and my target is to have thousand members in Bombay we have 350 and I'm going to Chennai next month or in August sorry you want to start a Chennai chapter so do that maybe in Bangalore also over a period of time. But in each city where there is good number of en entrepreneurs, I would like to start such chapters and scale it up. I Ultimately, my dream is to have 10,000 entrepreneurs, wow. but that will take time. <laughs> but now I think Bombay has taken some time to have that base, but I think it's a dream. And if I'm able to do that, then I'll be able to give something back to society, not only in terms of financially supporting, but more importantly in terms of giving my time and, you know, my whatever I've gone through, which could be relevant to them, to the entrepreneurs. Godspeed with everything, Harsh, and stay curious. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you for talking to thank us. You. Thank you. Thank you. Really enjoyed. Okay.